Hi, and welcome to the Happy Lawyer Podcast with me, your host, Katherine Shearer. I am a mom, a wife, a dog mama, a daughter, sister, personal injury lawyer, and wellness enthusiast. I have started this podcast because I have suffered from stress and anxiety and seriously considered leaving law. But when I got clear on what it was I wanted out of a legal career and made some big changes, I discovered law doesn't have to be depressing, anxiety-producing, or permanently high-stress, and I didn't have to be another woman who left the profession. This podcast is intended to get the conversation started and to keep it going when it comes to issues of lawyers and mental health, attrition rates in the profession, and the advancement of women in law. Today, I'm here with Aaron and Dan, the co-founders of Epilogue Wills, an online estate planning tool. They are joining me here today to talk about their journey in leaving private practice. Hi, and welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. So let's talk about uh, each of your stories before the creation of Epilogue Wills. What was your experience like in law? So I'm happy to go first here. Um, my experience in law was interesting. So I articled, summered and articled for a national firm. Uh, from there, I went and worked at a mid-sized firm with about 25 lawyers. And I was in the corporate tax and estate planning group there. And that's actually where I met Aaron. We worked together for three years. Um, from there, I was looking for a bit of a change and ultimately ended up at PWC Law. So the law firm affiliated with the accounting firm. Uh, it's still external client work. It wasn't an in-house role. Uh, and I was there for less than a year. And sort of through that process, it became clear to me that um, I was ready to try something outside of law. So for me, it never felt like the perfect fit. Uh, there was things that I really liked about it. There was things that I disliked about it. Um, but ultimately, it just, it never felt like it was, I guess, what I was going to continue to do long term. So um, really happy that I did it, really happy for the experience that I had, uh, the education that I got and all the great people that I worked with. Um, but I guess, I mean, the short answer is I'm, I'm no longer practicing anymore. Um, and that was because I was, I, I was ready to leave sort of at, by the end. Um, for me, I think, I mean, I really enjoyed practicing law. I also articled at a national firm. And then as Daniel mentioned, we met when we were working together at a mid-sized firm in downtown Toronto. And I always practiced in the areas of uh, tax and estate planning. And I enjoyed um, a lot of aspects of practice. And there were some aspects like you know, most lawyers, I think that I didn't enjoy as much, but overall, um, I, you know, I did enjoy the challenge of practicing and I found tax particularly to be very, um, stimulating intellectually. Um, you know, my, my feeling was, um, that, you know, with litigation, I saw colleagues of mine practicing litigation, you know, so much of their time was spent dealing with sort of the, um, uh, the procedural aspects of practice and for uh, friends in corporate, you know, so much of their time was spent on drafting. Whereas in tax, um, I got to do a lot of research. I felt it was most like law school, the area of practice that was most like law school. And I actually really enjoyed law school. So uh, those aspects of practice, I, I really enjoyed. Um, but there were some things that uh, I didn't like. And, um, you know, I sort of could have seen myself continuing on 
in, in tax practice. But uh, what Daniel and I uh, ended up ultimately leaving practice to do was a really interesting opportunity. And so I uh, wanted to take advantage of it. So Daniel, what was the worst part of private practice for you? And what was maybe the best part? The worst part and the best part. So for me, the worst part, I think, was I think the area of law that I ended up practicing in isn't one that I was, I'll say, sort of overly um, comfortable with when I started practicing. So in law school, I only took one of the tax courses. And although I really enjoyed it, um, I find that a lot of the lawyers that practice in the area of tax sort of knew pretty early on that tax was what they wanted to do. And they're really passionate about it. For me, uh, it was a really great opportunity to practice um, with really great practitioners at a really great firm and to learn the tax alongside the corporate. But sort of at its core or at my core, I wasn't um, passionate enough about the material. And so I always found it um, just really challenging through practice with that um, subject matter. And so it, it meant that I, it just, it's, it, it took longer for me to get to a place that I was comfortable with it. Um, and, and I think that experience was, was challenging for me. Um, as far as the, the best part of practice, uh, I worked with really great, smart people. Um, the problems were really interesting. Um, it, it was really stimulating uh, to get into that kind of work, which I really enjoyed on the tax side. And then on the estate planning side, so helping people with wills and powers of attorney, um, just being able to help someone uh, complete something that but maybe was on a to-do list for a very long time or that felt really daunting before they got in the room with you and being able to take someone through that process, uh, educate them, make them feel comfortable, confident and empowered that they were making good decisions and right decisions. Um, that, that human interaction and connection um, was, was probably the best part for me. And Aaron, how about you? What were some of the best parts and worst parts of private practice? So I'll start with uh, with the best parts, and I think they largely mirror Daniel's. Uh, like uh, he said, you know, we worked together at the same firm, and it was a great firm with great people, and we got to work on really good problems. And uh, like I said before, I, I really enjoyed the. Uh, intellectual aspects of practice, um, thinking about unique problems and, and trying to come up with unique solutions, uh, certainly on the tax side. And uh, I, I mean, you know, I, when I started law school, I didn't know that I wanted to be a tax lawyer. And uh, within a few weeks of my first tax course, uh, it was pretty much solidified for me that I wanted to be a tax lawyer. And I took whatever tax courses I could. And uh, I, I uh, you know, enjoyed the practice of tax. Um, on the estate side, again, a lot of the same things as Daniel said, it was really great to um, get to work with people on such personal matters. You really felt connected with them and, uh, you know, clients uh, would open up to you in uh, a, a very unique way when talking about something like their own estate planning. Um, for me, the I'd say the worst part of private practice, without a doubt, was uh, the uh, having to track my time and docket my hours. And I think that mostly came out of the fact that that's very far from the way um, that I operate. 
Um, so, you know, I might be working on a tax problem for one client and I would read something and automatically it would trigger something that I would think about in another file and I would sort of task switch and then move over to the other file and start thinking about how I can integrate that solution on that one. And then, you know, the phone rings or you get an email and uh, I'm just sort of the type of person that does a lot of task switching throughout the day. And uh, I always, uh, from the time I was a, an articling student right up until, you know, my, uh, you know, I was practiced for uh, over seven years and uh, I always found uh, sort of tracking my time properly and uh, effectively to be um, a very difficult uh, thing for me. And uh, the other thing that I struggled with, which I think a lot of people, a lot, especially young lawyers struggle with, is, um, you know, the idea that we're, uh, as lawyers, you're, you're sort of uh, being charged out or uh, evaluated on the basis of uh, the quantity of hours uh, you're putting in as opposed to necessarily the quality of the work or the efficiency of the work that you're doing. And that's always something that sort of weighed heavily on me. And uh, so it's sort of all of that taken together, I'd say sort of, I felt was the worst part of private practice. So when you guys were um, still practicing, did you ever struggle with stress and or anxiety as a result of practicing? And if so, how did you deal with that? Yeah, I think that I think that stress and anxiety um, can be part of the job, which is unfortunate. Um, but, and, and it comes out in different ways. So, I mean, when I think back to my articling experience and it was, you know, it's the first time that I've had a work cell phone and uh, you can get an email at any point in call it the day or night with a more senior lawyer who's reaching out for help uh, and whether it's an assignment that you are already working on and someone's reaching out for an update or to move it along or this is a brand new file that's coming in and someone needs help uh, either on an urgent basis or a less urgent basis but all of a sudden you now have this uh this phone that is with you, that is in your pocket, that you feel like you can't be away from it. And every time that phone buzzes or, you know, it was back in the Blackberry days where you'd see the little light, um, there's, there's that, that nervousness that comes with like, what's, what's waiting for me on the other side of this email? Um, and that's tough. Um, you know, articling was 10 months of that. And then when you start practicing, it's not very different. Um, because you, you, you never know what's coming next. I mean, you might have some idea with some of the files that you're working on, but they're, you know, that when you start practicing now, it's not just lawyers that are reaching out to you, it's clients as well. And they're um, looking for updates or, or, so I think that there's a lot of stress in that. Um, you know, unfortunately, I, I don't have any great solutions for how to manage that. Um, I think as a young lawyer, it's challenging because you, you're you wanting to make a really good impression and you're wanting to uh, make it seem like you are always available, which is difficult because we have lives outside of work and it's important to sort of balance um, other areas of your life. Um, so I, I think that's common for young lawyers. And I don't know that that necessarily goes away. Um, just that, that unknown of what's waiting, whether it's from a client or a lawyer that's sort of coming in to 
change the way your day looks, your week looks, your month looks sort of at any given time. Yes, absolutely. I would uh, totally agree with that. And still, um, obviously not so much from other lawyers, but it's still your clients now that I get, uh, you know, emails in the middle of the night or 3am. And it's hard not to just immediately respond because it's been so ingrained in you that you must react immediately because someone else might take the job or you, you need to show um, that you're really committed to the job to progress and those types of things. So it becomes really ingrained in you. And you're right, it's very difficult to kind of get away from. For, for uh, any young practitioners that are listening, maybe I'll offer a, a ray of hope. Um, it's like, I mean, my experience was, you know, when I was an article student and, and junior, uh, yes, you, you know, you certainly had that unpredictability in terms of uh, when the work is coming in and what it's going to do to your evening or your weekend. But I also found as a, uh, you know, a student and a junior lawyer that there was that additional element of like, I'm not really sure I know what I'm doing. And so you have this um, you know, unpredictable schedule, but also you're, you're questioning yourself, right? I've never seen this before. How do I do this? How am I gonna figure this out? So that second piece I found as I got more senior does go away. So I was, you know, I would get the email, but I wouldn't have that same feeling of, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, you know, I, uh, you, you still sort of had the stressors like Daniel mentioned about the unpredictable nature of when you're going to get that phone call and, you know, when sort of, uh, um, you know, you're going to have to get something turned around by. But by and large, um, you know, as you get more senior, uh, you get, you know, you, you build your skills and uh, you start to see things that, uh, you know, for the second time and the third time and uh, you gain more confidence in yourself that you can, uh, you know, you, you sort of know what you need to do to, uh, to um, you know, turn the file around or you know what questions to ask. And, and so that uh, certainly does help if anyone's feeling sort of stressed or anxious about themselves in practice. It's sort of, uh, once with more experience under your belt, um, it does get better. I couldn't agree more. I also do some coaching and um, I actually had that uh, very same question come up today. And you know, my answer was almost identical to yours. It does get better. Um, that feeling of inexperience starts to fade and you slowly get to um, be very confident in your own skills. And that makes a really big difference in terms of uh, satisfaction and being able to deal with the rest of the stress and anxiety that the uh, job creates. Yeah. And I think that sort of going back to your question about sort of the, the worst part of practice, like as Aaron was answering that question, it, it, got me thinking and, and being a junior lawyer, that's really challenging that when you work on a file um, or, or a particular research question, uh, that when you hand it into the senior lawyer, that such a, a huge unknown of not just did I answer the question right, but did I even answer the right question, which is like, it's daunting. And, and sometimes you walk into that office and you hear that you did a great job. And sometimes you hear that you, you totally missed the mark. And, and that really sort of takes a hit on your confidence, not just on that file, but on the ones that you work on after that. So, I mean, 
it is a very good point that Aaron made that it does get better because, you know, at a certain point, you're going to get a question that you've already answered before or a question that's really similar to one that you've answered before. And so you start to build up that knowledge and experience and that uh, know how to navigate certain things will always be things that you that are novel that you're looking at for the first time. And the hope is that you by the time you're there, you now have the tools in place to or do a really good job, even with a novel situation. So how did you guys come to the big decision to leave law? I know that that's something a lot of people consider at some point in their career. And there's often some, some thoughts about how can I leave law? I've spent so much money. I've invested in myself. I've, you know, I've gained so many years of experience. Now I have a good book of uh, business. I'm starting to feel pretty secure in what I'm doing. How do you make that decision to just change? So for me, and this sort of ties into you know some of the answers that I that I gave a little bit earlier, which was um, I was at a place sort of towards the end of my time practicing where I I was feeling like law wasn't the right fit for me. Um, when I changed firms, I was trying to see if maybe there was. Um, a different environment, a different structure um, that would change my enjoyment level with what I was doing. Um, and after being at that other place and, and you know, sort of through no fault of where I was, uh, it just, it became clear to me that, that it wasn't what I was going to do. Um, you know, when I was younger in practice, I thought that, you know, things would just be very linear. And that's the way law works, which is you go to law school, or, or at least that's the way people think law works, which is you go to law school and you become a junior lawyer. And every year you become one year more senior until you join the partnership somewhere. And then you're just a career lawyer. So this realization for me that I didn't think that this was the right path um, was a difficult one. Um, because I had believed for so long that my path was going to be linear. Um, but at the moment that I made that realization, it just became clear to me that it was time to, to try something different and, and not just anything, but Aaron and I had spoken. And so the idea that I could use this legal education and try something different with it was really exciting because it didn't feel like I was totally switching gears to something that was completely different. It meant that I could build on what I was doing um, and the legal education and the knowledge and try it in a little bit of a different domain. Um, and so coming to that decision was a difficult one, but it was also really exciting. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think that um, point is really uh, an important one that when you're making a decision to leave practice, you're not it's not like you're throwing everything you've done away and taking a whole new path because, and I think Daniel and I are good examples, right? Like what we're doing now is uh, the foundation for that was our experience in private practice. And so, um, you know, for somebody who's thinking about leaving and doing something else, I, I think for a lot of people, it's daunting for a lot of lawyers that can be a sort of a, a daunting thing to think about because of all the things that you mentioned, Catherine, you know, I built this practice and uh, I've invested all this time and all this money. And so uh, I think it's an important point to say, you're not, you know, throwing those things away. Like those things are going to be the foundation of whatever you're going to do next. Um, 
for me personally, like I was kind of at, uh, I guess you could say like a fork in the road because I sort of followed that linear path for a, a while and sort of continuing on in private practice was certainly a very viable option for me. Um, but I guess um, to, to the point you made earlier, you know, the longer you sort of go down that road, um, it might be that much harder to turn back and switch gears. And so for me, uh, the decision to leave, it was really, like I said, a fork in the road or an inflection point in, in sort of, I guess, my, uh, not not just my career, but like, you know, my whole life and, and sort of a um, time for me to look back at the big picture and say, okay, like this um, may be a unique opportunity for me. And uh, it really came down to me saying, you know, if I, if I do this and it doesn't work out, I've got enough experience under my belt that law and tax law is probably always going to be an option for me if I need or want it to be. But if I don't do this and I sort of continue down the, the path that I'm going, um, I'm always going to wonder what if. And, uh, you know, it's like, like uh, uh, anybody who leaves practice, it's sort of a, a leap that you kind of uh, either have to take or, or decide not to take, but it is, it is a leap and uh, sort of looked at everything. And um, the, the huge benefit for me is that everybody I spoke to in my, in my close family was just so uh, supportive of whatever decision I wanted to make that obviously makes it a lot easier. Did either of you get any pushback from anybody saying that leaving private practice was a mistake? I did not. Uh, I think the people that were closest to me could tell that it wasn't a perfect fit, sort of especially towards the end. Um, and so those people were very supportive. Um, and, and I reached out to a lot of people, people that, uh, lawyers that were still practicing, lawyers that were, uh, that had gone in-house or, or to a bank or lawyers that had left completely and weren't practicing anymore. And, and I spoke to a lot of people because, like I said, that making uh, or coming to the decision to leave was challenging for me. Um, and getting all of those points of view around it, at least for me, solidify that, that it wasn't the right fit. And so um, from those people that gave me confidence. And then I think I probably took that confidence into conversations that I was having with other people around my decision. And so uh, for, for me, I didn't, I didn't really get much pushback. Um, yeah, same, same with me. I mean, everybody was very supportive. And in particular, um, you know, the lawyers that uh, I had been working with for many years, who I think a lot of whom were perhaps surprised to hear that I was going to leave practice, but all of them uh, were so supportive. And one of the things that one of them said to me really uh, stuck out to me, and, and uh, I'll continue to remember this, um, when I sort of told him that I was, I was leaving and, and sort of what I was planning to do, um, his comment to me was, everybody I know who's truly happy with what they're doing has at some point in their lives taken a risk or a leap of faith in order to do that. And so um, he was very supportive and encouraging of what I was doing and, uh, you know, very much echoed the sentiment that I mentioned earlier, which is like, if this doesn't work out, there's always something great to fall back on. But it's, it's great to see that you're sort of going out and, and taking this type of risk. So what was the inspiration for Epilogue Wills and how did it come to fruition? 
Um, so, I mean, Daniel and I practiced together and we did a lot of estates work. And what's really neat about working in that practice area is that um, it's very relevant to everybody and particularly friends uh, of ours, people that were contemporaries, um, were sort of starting families, getting married and having kids. And so this issue about estate planning, this idea of about like making a will that, you know, nobody cared about for the first 30 years of their life, all of a sudden became very important to all of them. And so, you know, here we are building practices and carving out a niche um, in the area of estate planning. And we were getting calls from our friends saying, I need a will, like I, I just had a kid, can you help me out with this? And, um, you know, what we were seeing is that a lot of those conversations had uh, sort of went down the same road, which was um, us sort of talking about the process in terms of how we go about making, you know, how we, we would go about sort of collecting the information that we would need to prepare a will and then preparing a will. And then of course, the question that everybody asks is how much is it going to cost? And um, a lot of people were surprised that it was going to cost what it would for to have us prepare those wills, but that was just sort of the nature of the practice we were in and, and where we were practicing. And, uh, you know, Daniel and I looked into the issue a little bit more closely and saw that it was really not limited to our friends, um, but really most uh, Canadians don't have uh, wills and powers of attorney in place. This is the problem is really pervasive. And so um, epilogue was sort of born out of this idea that we wanted to help as many people as possible uh, get these important documents in place. So now that you guys are on the other side of private practice, how does that compare to starting and running a company? So, I mean, I, I guess the, you know, the real simple answer is it, it doesn't. Um, it is so completely different, at least for me. Um, when I was practicing, um, so much of my time was spent uh, on my own, um, researching, writing, drafting. Um, of course, there is time that is spent with clients, but but so much of your time is spent um, on your own sort of doing the work. Um, and now in in running Epilogue, I spend so much of my time speaking to other people, um, whether that's people that, that we work with, you know, contractors or um, customers, uh, potential partners, just like, I feel like I'm in constant contact with so, so many people, which really uh, has been great for me. Uh, I get my energy from other people. And so I find that that, um, that really works for me. That's something that I'm really excited about. Um, and then in terms of, of, of the day-to-day and the actual work, it's also really, really different. Something that I find really cool about it is that a lot of the people that we uh, are working with, we're working with them sort of in their capacity with what they do professionally. So you know, when I was at the firm, if I was doing estate planning for someone that was a graphic designer, they would come to me and in building their estate plan, it, it didn't matter so much that they were a graphic designer and, and it didn't impact the work that I was doing. And I never got to see them sort of in their element doing what they do best. It was them coming to me and then I did the work that I had to do to support them. Now, a lot of the interactions that 
I'm having are with people sort of in their capacity of what they do. So I'm working with someone that's a designer and, and working with them designing. And that's really cool. So that I get such a interesting perspective on all these people that I'm interacting with, which is the work that they do. And, and that's just something about that for me is really cool. And it's a big difference from sort of the way I was interacting with people before. And I mean, for me, I think um, it's along similar lines, you know, um, Daniel alluded to this earlier, you know, when you're working in a law firm environment, the interactions you're having with the people you're working with, um, you know, these are people that are sort of along that same linear path as you. So when you're talking to a more senior lawyer about a problem, so this is somebody who's doing largely the same work as you, but they've got more experience under their belt. They're able to help, uh, you know, guide you towards a solution to a problem. But for the most part, they've got a similar educational background and they've, uh, you know, developing their practice at this firm with a, perhaps a similar mindset. So, um, I mean, on the one hand, it makes it a lot easier to talk to these people because you're speaking the same language. Uh, on the other hand, uh, you're, you're really sort of looking at a problem from the same place the conversations we're having now, the people we're working with, it's, it's across the spectrum. So like Daniel mentioned, there's designers and there's, there's copywriters and there's people whose specialization is in website development or in uh, search engine marketing or search engine optimization. And these are areas in which we have zero experience. And so uh, it's incredible now because we're, uh, we're working with people with such diverse educational backgrounds or uh, life experiences uh, that are able to bring ideas and concepts to the table that are so far outside of what Daniel and I uh, did as lawyers and what we were trained to do. Um, so that I'm finding to be such a, an enjoyable part of what we're doing now is getting perspectives from people who are just so, who just think so differently than we do about things. Do either of you have any regrets? None from me. <laughs> there's certainly there's certainly things that I miss about private practice, um, but uh, I would not say that I have any regrets about what we're doing. I think that um, I, every day I sit down and thoroughly enjoy what I'm doing now. So it sounds like um, the work that you're doing now is a lot more collaborative, and that has. Uh, fostered a sense of uh, satisfaction with your work. Do you think that there are any ways that private practice can change to be more collaborative? So I think it's a really good question. And I think that um, th th there's so many factors at play. Um, I mean, I think that it depends on the area of practice where someone is and depends what sort of the makeup of the law firm looks like. Um, and then one challenge that I see is just, you know, lawyers bill by the hour. And so sometimes a file can't support sort of the level of collaboration that might be best because it, it often means that, you know, you've got two lawyers each billing that are working on the same problem at the same time. And that might be really good for a junior lawyer's development to get that opportunity. Um, but from a client perspective, it, uh, it may lead to a higher bill. And so um, 
there, there, there is a balance there. And I do think that it's important to um, find ways to collaborate more um, sort of within firms. Um, and and there's, there's probably ways to, you know, potentially use technology to improve that process or, or find ways where, where firms can connect with other firms. Um, but I, I do think that there are some challenges there. Yeah, and uh, I mean, from my perspective, and Daniel touched on this, I mean, technology has, I mean, my background is in technology. I was doing that before I uh, got into law school and, and went to, uh, to on to become a lawyer. And I really tried to infuse all aspects of my practice with technology where I could. And I really see that as an opportunity for lawyers to be working together. So just a simple example of that is, uh, you know, having systems uh, in place where, um, a lawyer who's maybe supervising a file could see, um, you know, the status of the file that could be updated in real time by, uh, you know, associates that are working on the file. Or if you need to sort of send somebody a message related to a file, again, that can all happen in an ecosystem. Daniel and I are working uh, out of a uh, at a legal tech incubator. That's where Epilogue is sort of affiliated with, called the Legal Innovation Zone. And there's some great companies in there working on all sorts of um, legal technology problems. And some of them are turn, turning their minds to this very thing. You know, how can we make the, uh, how can we make private practice uh, more collaborative? How can we streamline the process by which, um, you know, files are managed and ensuring that everybody is on the same page in the most efficient way? So I'll just ask you guys one last question. And that is, do you have any general words of wisdom to share with other lawyers? So for me, I'm going to touch on something that uh, I mentioned uh, earlier, which is um, what you have, you know, in terms of the education that you have and the way you've been taught to think and analyze and dissect problems and the experience that you've gained by putting that into practice is just so valuable. And I think it's really easy to get into the mindset of thinking, this is the only thing that I can do because this is what I've been trained to do and this is all I know. It's a very scary thing, I think, for uh, any lawyer to think about doing something other than practicing law. So I guess the words of wisdom that I want to share are not to be afraid to think outside the box. And it's not a question of throwing away everything that you've done up to this point in your career, but rather thinking about how you can use those things, those experiences and your education as building blocks towards something else if you are thinking about um, leaving practice. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's really good advice. And one thing I would add, and it's, it's sort of in the same area, and it's something that I, that I touched on earlier, which is just law looks like it's going to be very linear. Um, a career in law feels like that's the way it's supposed to go. And so even someone who's a fourth year, if they got off the treadmill for a moment and didn't become a fifth year when their cohort all became fifth years, that, that would feel like you took a huge step back and you'd sort of removed yourself from the trajectory that everyone else um, in your group is on. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that exists in other professions as well, but uh, in law, it seems that there's there, there's just there's discomfort there um, in the profession, 
with doing something that takes you outside of of that linear path. And so, uh, you know, if you're in a practice area that you don't love and you've been there for a year or two, it doesn't mean that you need to leave law, but it's, it's worth exploring. You know, is there something else here for me? And maybe it's a different practice area, or maybe there's some difference, some change you need to make to the way you are practicing or what you're doing that um, might pull you out of that just straight linear path, but in a really good positive way. Like, you know, it's, it's a long practice. It's a long career, you know, for everyone, whatever you choose to do. Um, that if you're, if you're unhappy in it, um, you should look and see what is it about this that's making me unhappy and are those things that I can change and that I have the power to, to affect and, and be, less worried about, am I going to be a third year at the same time that everyone else is a third year? That is great advice. Thank you to both of you for joining me here today. Thanks so much, Catherine. Thanks for having us. So that's all for today's show. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please rate and review the show to help others find this resource. And if you have any questions about your legal career, please head over to thehappylawyer.ca and send me an email through the contact page, or you can send me a message on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to set up a virtual coffee date. See you next week.